You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. We ask our YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between 6 feet and 9 feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle... What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We got Emilio on his big green tractor down here in Tennessee. And we got the beard in the house on the border of uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Just got back from shaking the dew off his lily pad there. Tim, you got some advice for him, man. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's that's all. (laughs) As soon as we went to go live, Jacob said he had to run to the little boys' room. So I made it. Made it. Made it just in time, didn't you, man? Um, yeah, so good to see everybody in here. I know the chat's lit up. We've already got some mark. We're gonna get to the chat here in a second. We do want to lead off though with a little heavy news, some sad news. Obviously, uh Cherry Star, Bart Starr's widow, uh passed away today. And uh the Packers released a statement here. I think I've actually got it. Um, yeah, it says so. Uh, Packers family was deeply the Packers family was deeply saddened today to learn of the passing of Cherry Star. She will be remembered for her warmth, kindness, and great sense of humor. Her generosity and support of the community, both here in Wisconsin and in Alabama, is greatly appreciated by so many. Cherry's Cherry was particularly passionate about carrying on Bart's legacy of supporting each new generation of quarterbacks as Bart and then Cherry wrote letters to so many around the league. I know the players cherish those notes of encouragement. And then let me drop this banner down real quick. Uh, we share our sincere condolences with Bart Jr. and the entire Star family. And what they're referring to there, too, is he would actually write letters every year to the quarterbacks in the league. And then when he passed away, Cherry continued on that tradition, which is just absolutely awesome. I've got a video here. I think it's from NBC 26, I believe, where they did a special the last time that Cherry and Bart visited Green Bay. Um, 
she actually made a donation too. Um, and it's just really cool. This, this video is about a minute and a half, two minutes long, and it takes you into the mindset of Bart and Cherry star and how Cherry refused to allow the pieces of memorabilia that Bart owned and that are part of the Packers legacy. She refused to let them fall into the wrong hands. Just a really cool story. Let's, let's go ahead and cue it up here. Star and his wife Cherry wrapped up their special weekend in Titletown with an impressive donation to the Packers Hall of Fame and an announcement that's emotional for many fans to hear. Stacey Engerbretson is live at six now with more. Stacey? Well, Regina, it was great to see the 83-year-old legendary quarterback smiling today as he donated some of his most prized awards to the Packers Hall of Fame, including his 1967 championship ring with three diamonds symbolizing three consecutive NFL titles. There's also also watches, a jacket, and a necklace that contains microfilm images of thousands of well wishes sent to Star. But perhaps the most emotional moment came when Cherry revealed they're saying goodbye to Green Bay. I'm emotional saying this, but it will be our last trip back. But everyone's been so gracious. It's been an absolutely memorable and beautiful, beautiful weekend and so all of you were responsible for making it happen for us. We love you all. We love our fans. We love this city. And we'll miss you so much. Thank you. You do it, any. Bart Starr is recovering from two strokes and a heart attack he suffered in 2014. His son said during today's event that this trip was therapeutic for the former QB. And back to the donation now. Cherry says when she heard a false report that her husband's championship ring was being sold for $100,000 on eBay, she decided donating the items to the Packers Hall of Fame would ensure Starr's personal treasures never get into the wrong hands. Now fans can enjoy them for many years to come. Keeping you connected, Stacey Engelbretson. Absolutely awesome, man. Just to, to show the kind of heart that they had for not just the people of Green Bay, but really the game of football, too. And, and everything they did was so thoughtful to the letters that they wrote to the quarterbacks across the league. I mean, you you hear from any of Bart Starr's teammates. They'll, they'll tell you what kind of leader he was, the stand-up guy he was. He was – the only person to this day I know that stood up to Vince Lombardi and did it in a way that was respectful to let him know, look, if you want me to lead this team, then you've got to treat me a certain way on the field so these guys will follow me. He just always had that vision of what it was to be a leader. And Cherry Star, like I said in the tweet earlier, man, behind every behind every good man, there's an even better woman. And it's obvious uh, she made him a much, much, much better man throughout the course of their life. But uh just another another reason to be a proud Packer fan, fellas. I mean, that's the type of stuff that the even the wives of the players is just 100% class, right? I love it. Absolutely love it. There's a Packer way even with the family life when it comes to mm-hmm. former players. So, um, again, just wanted to show a little respect there. Appreciate everybody in the chat, too. Good to see everybody in here. And uh, wanted to take just a second to, to kind of hit on that, man. She's, uh, she's a legend, no doubt about it. Uh, let's get to the chat because I know, Jacob, you already took it off the rails right off the bat. And I know that's kind of heavy to kick off the show, guys. We love to have fun in here, but it's important to hit on those things. It really is. Jacob got in here at 634 my time and said, first comment, eat that Eric and A fam. So, Jacob so, over at the bag. And, of course, Eric comes in and says, LOL, you didn't win, Jacob. It's 2024. We all get a participation. <laughs> all right. And, of course, AFAM comes back and says, Jacob's been su- suspended from Culver's for driving off too many times with the drive-through number. <laughs> That's not oh, a lie. We're going to give him some 
<laughs> exactly correct. <laughs> you got anything to say for yourself, man? Getting this, getting this crap drummed up tonight. I mean, have you had a butter burger? They're delicious. I, oh, you know, they're expensive though. So, in my, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> background right there man for those well, of you nobody's pod, hungry anymore clayton <laughs> yeah. for those for those of you on the pod uh larry mccarran's pinky has entered the chat so there you go <laughs> came up in here like who do you think you are i am i'm telling you man the comment of the day earlier though was whoever it was in the chat i, I wish i could give him i'm crying over here i wish i could give him credit um, when they said that Mike Spofford and Larry McCarron was pinky in the brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so anyway, um, we're off the rails, but we got to do something to cheer yourselves up after the Cherry Star uh, information, obviously. Um, we had a presser today. Before we get into some of the press conference stuff, let me make sure I had a couple screen grabs here, too, of some, some stuff we were going to hit on Um Let's see here. David Bakhtiari was kind of in the news today, guys. I don't know. Did you did you, did you guys see this come across the wire from Cheesehead TV and Rob Domofsky? Did you guys keep up with that? No, I've been out of the list. I saw today. a couple of headlines, but I thought they were clickbait, so I just left them alone. Yeah, it's smart, it, it, Jacob. Smart way to avoid them. You don't <laughs> want to get sucked in. It is a little bit a little bit odd to be honest with you, but let me just kind of the reason I wanted to post it. I, you know how I am. I like to try to read between the lines. I kind of feel like. For the majority of, of the content that's posted, there is a reason it's being posted. There's a little bit of truth in bits and pieces here and there, and I like to try to put this stuff together. We followed the Jair Alexander suspension weeks before it happened, and we were trying to leave these nuggets going, hey, Matt Schneidman said this, and so-and-so said it. It sounds like there's something behind the scenes. This this right here kind of kind of perked me up a little bit, not in a good way either. But Rob Domofsky tweeted out, from the combine, Packers will decide on David Bakhtiari's future before the new league year. Okay, now why do I mention that new league year? If I understand correctly, apps it, it actually starts. It technically begins on March the thirteenth. Okay, so not huge news there, right? Like they're going to make a decision before the new league year. Got it. All right, but here's the thing though. Cheesehead TV tweeted this out, and and obviously. Aaron Negler is at the combine right now, so maybe he's he's the one who spoke. I don't know. Someone spoke with Rob Domofsky, I guess. I didn't see where Rob Domofsky put this out unless it was in an article and I overlooked it. He says, Cheesehead TV says, ESPN's Rob Domofsky says, David Bakhtiari isn't expected to be medically cleared until training camp at the earliest. So they're going to make a decision before the new league year, but he's not going to be medically cleared until training camp. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to piece those together. It kind of feels like he goes on to say, and quote, as if Rob Domofsky said this, all indications are his time as a Green Bay Packer is coming to an end. Sad emoji. So if you kind of piece those all that together, it feels like the percentage, you know, it keeps it keeps going in that one direction, Tim. We talked about it all offseason. It's I mean, I'm to the point now where it's like, 80% box probably done as a Packer. But what do you guys think? Am I reading too much into it? How do y'all feel about that? I mean, it's what else can we do but speculate at this point? Um, but this this certainly makes it interesting. I mean, we were kind of playing this game last year at training camp. You know, it was the, is David practicing today? Uh, the, the saga continued with that and, you know, him trying to get back and get his body together for week one. And ultimately that's all we got out of him uh, last season was just, you know, we'll always have Chicago. <laughs> we, we we have some memorable moments from that game, um, you know, but the intent is to get him for, you know, eight, nine, 10 plus games in a season 
not just one or two. So, you know, if it's not looking good for him as far as, uh, you know, where his body's at, then, yeah, I don't know how that affects uh, the decision-making. We can guess, um, but that is interesting if we're going to get an answer on on him here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, just two weeks, right? Yeah, it might might be the answer that, uh, you know, he's – we're going to be moving on, you know? So I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like yeah, you said, the wording kind of leads you right to it, but yeah. um, they can always type whatever they want. So it's kind of hard to tell, but you got to make a decision before then, you know, training camp at the earliest. That's, that's a pretty big difference. So. Yeah. What do you think, yeah. Jacob? Uh, it sounds kind of harsh, but I think we should have already been done with them a while ago. I mean, think about what Tim just said, uh, he was happy with getting eight to nine to 10 games out of him. We have 17 games in the season. Like we're paying this dude top tier money and don't get me wrong. Everything about him, his personality, everything like that. Like the Chicago game, isn't that the one where he gave yeah. the old salute coming to the line? Just perfect. Just perfect. The way he chugs beer. I think my favorite it. part from that game was when he laid down on the sideline and waved at the Mom was when they came to the line, they're setting the protection. He looks right over at the fans and gives them the bird, dude. That was <laughs> that, that when he retires, I've got a black and white photo wall. You'll see it when you come up here. <laughs> I'm gonna put that one in black and white. It's going to be right next to Brett Favre and Reggie White walking with John Madden and all the legends. Leroy Butler, I got in Black and White from the first Rainbow Leap. I mean, I got I got a ton of just classic stuff. There's going to be Bach right in the middle of it flipping the- <laughs> to the Bears fans. So can you yeah. uh, can you pull up how much money we would save if we ended up cutting him again? Do you have that off the top of your head? If, like if, if, if we cut him, it's like between, it's somewhere to 20 to 21 million we would save God, this year. You can't tell me that that's not intriguing. A lot of money, man. That, that's the thing. If he comes back, it wouldn't be for the $40 million cap hit, right? It would be, it would definitely be a pay cut involved. It's just now we're to the point, though, if if we don't even know if he's going to be healthy, I could see Goody. Goody's, Goody's cold-blooded, man. Not in a bad way either. Your GM needs to be cold-blooded, right? Mm-hmm. I could see him just looking up and going, ah, if there's a chance that we don't get 14, 13, 14 games out of this guy this year, let's just move on. I could see that being the case. Mm-hmm. We just talked just about like, restructuring Rashawn Gary, too. So we, yeah, we freed up cap room there. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine freeing up cap room with box contract now. Now we, like be said, we're going with Crisco, as, as Clayton would say. That's right. You're going to be shopping, man. There, there's no doubt about it. Meal right there. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what the chat says. Andre says, uh, I think Bach will retire a Packer. That's something we haven't talked about either. That To me, that would be kind of, I guess, I'm not being harsh saying this. It would be the best case scenario for me being a huge Bach fan for him to yeah, just go, you know what? I'm done. I can't. I'm, I'm tired of trying this. He's got a, you know, a, a brand new baby, him and his wife, Frankie, like, just retire as a Packer and, and sell off into the sunset. And, and, and who knows, maybe he'll be a pro football Hall of Famer. If it hadn't been for the injury, he'd be a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Yeah. He'll definitely be a Packer Hall of Famer for sure. Um, so that could definitely be the case there, Andres, for sure. Um, he said, I don't see him playing for another team now or never. It kind of feels like he is, you know, I don't, I don't, I think he's pretty, he's pretty committed to the Packers. But if the Jets came calling, maybe, you know, just because Aaron's there, I would, that wouldn't surprise me either. I love how Jacob's face is getting covered up. It's just, <laughs> we thought we had the perfect setup, didn't we? Sorry, Jacob. It's just the way it is, buddy. Um, let's see here. Prince, uh, Prince in the Look chat. Look at that one. Yeah, oh. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. 
Spritz in the chat said, I thought the latest procedure he went through was relatively minor. So surprised he wouldn't be cleared uh, until training camp. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. You never know about these things for sure. Uh, Number one Packer fan says, it's not much to piece together. Unfortunately, Bach is done. It sucks, but it's going to happen. I'm glad the Packers stuck with him to try and give him time. You know, that's that's the thing, too. Like, no one can say that they treated him unfairly. They gave him every opportunity, right, to, to get that that knee healthy and everything. And it's nothing against Bach. It's nothing that Bach did wrong. He battled his ass off to try to get back, too. It is what it is. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. It's a game of football, right? So uh, that's the other thing, too, though, man. You go up there and play in New York. That's one of the worst turf. It, it, they, they talk about that field just being absolute trash. I mean, you've seen Aaron obviously blow the Achilles up. Uh, while he's playing up there too. So, anyway, that's that's the Bach news that we heard earlier today. Now, do you, do you guys got anything to add to that or anything else you want to hit before we jump into some of this Goody talk here? Um, I think Bach wants to play in Green Bay. I think, you know, watching the year that we had last year and seeing the, you know, as excited as we as fans are for the future of this young team, I got to imagine a guy like Dave Bakhtiari is probably even more excited and uh, would love to be a part of a, a possible title run here in the next coming years so you know that combined with the turf like you said out there in jersey yeah i don't i don't think he wants to to go anywhere else i think it's retirement or or green bay for sure yeah 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 it kind of feels like that man all right so uh Goody was at the mock earlier today. I he was he had several sessions i i kind of hit the first one and picked it apart a little bit to find us some stuff here um let's start off with uh the quarterback talk, okay. He he was kind of talking about you know the quarterback sitting, and and they were they asked him about you know the benefit of having a quarterback sitting behind another great quarterback and learning. Uh, let's see what Goody had to say at the podium today. Sure, you've been able to give your young quarterbacks time to learn behind a veteran, but how difficult is it to be patient um, when you know you've drafted, you invested them, and you want to start yeah. getting a return. I think, you know, again, it's our situation is a little unique, but it was it was pretty easy to be patient because we had a guy playing at such a high level, you know. Um, so and I do think, you know, the, you know, lots been talked about us and, and going on from, you know, from Brett to Aaron and now to Jordan. Um, and there's so many people that have had hands that great coaches, uh, the players, obviously themselves. But, you know, those guys got to learn from pretty good players as well. You know, I think. Um, and I think that's an important part of it is to be able to sit behind a guy who does it at a very high level, prepares at a very high level, seeing what that takes um, and all the things that are on the plate of a quarterback um, before they actually have to go out there and perform. You know, so they can kind of, I think, as much as, um, you know, just getting in within the scheme and learning from everything, it's about how to be a pro quarterback, how to handle things um, before you actually have to go out there and perform. So what did you yeah, you know, the best time to draft a quarterback is when you uh, when you don't need one, right, and, and let them sit and sit behind some of the, the best. Um, you know, I posted a video earlier just, you know, I, I cherry-picked some some highlights to prove a point, and I know there are some people that are like, oh, there's much better throws you can put in highlights than that. The point was the highlight I showed of Brett Favre hitting Greg Jennings in the overtime victory. Aaron Rodgers was his backup when that happened. Right. Aaron Rodgers got to see that firsthand. And then I showed some highlights from the 2020 season where Aaron Rodgers won an MVP. Well, that was Jordan Love's first backup year. So he got to see Aaron Rodgers win two MVPs and then went on to show a little highlight reel of Jordan Love. And uh, it really is, man. Green Bay's the quarterback capital of the freaking world right now. dude. And, and I think it has a lot to do with people 
not being forced into that pressure. I mean, we showed the mm-hmm. stat the other day. The Packers are, uh, you know, the only team, I think the closest team to them to have started uh, a rookie quarterback was 2012, the Seattle Seahawks. Other than that, the Packers are the team with the longest run without starting a rookie quarterback, and that was Don Mikowski in 1987. So uh, just phenomenal stuff there. I mean, I, I really do. Let's just go around the horn real quick. That's the reason you've seen the success this year, right, from Jordan Love. I mean, and he even started off shaky. Think about that. He had three years behind Rodgers through two MVP seasons, and he still short started off shaky, right? I mean, it just shows you how, how tough it is to play quarterback in the league. Obviously, he finished in the second half there, Tim, with MVP caliber stats there. If, if you were to break it down into the second half of the, of the league, he probably would have won MVP, man. Yeah, we can go back and look at some of our – pods you know going into the season where we were really excited about Jordan uh you know being in control of the offense and you know you had mentioned several times that you know it's one thing to have a good game and you know see it and you know get your reads and make good throws make good decisions but can you do that weekend week out through a grind of a season and it's kind of what happened right we saw him struggle a little bit after that that week one performance and then uh man just grinded out an incredible incredible run there to close out the year so uh in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm excited, man. Jordan's that dude. He really is. Definitely. And Goody talked about it too, that, um, you know, when Jordan, he he got to see all of Rogers, you know, he got to process all that. And he even stuck through that hard time uh, in October. He, you know, you could tell that he was the guy he went through all those all those ups and downs, the the ins, the outs, and um, you know he's grown in the three four years. So it's um, it's it's nice to see. We're all excited about it, and all those people that were calling for Clifford, man, can we just bring the dog back inside? It wasn't going to happen, and now they're all the ones that are you know preaching. You know, Jordan loves elite. Let's give him a contract. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what do you think, Jake? I mean. <clears throat> I still kind of want to see what Clifford can do. <laughs> there it is. I was waiting for it. Just because, I mean, we want to know what if we're holding pocket aces. You know what I mean? That's fine. But, uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> it is amazing to really look at, like like uh, you guys talked about, the first half of the season compared to the second half. 
Um, and Goody goes on to make a quote where he talks about how basically it was like, what, what does it show to you about Jordan Love? What do you, how he overcame certain stuff? And Goody said, uh, it's nice to know that when or if we come across adversity, that, it, that he'll be able to handle it. I just wish he said when we come across adversity because it's going to happen. It's not if, it's right, when, right. right? So, but it yeah. was really cool that he, because they asked him, like, what were you most surprised about? I think was maybe the question about Jordan Love. And he's like, I'm not really surprised about anything because he, you know, this is what he was, what he saw. This is why he drafted him. This is why he, he felt confident enough to, to go the way we did with Rodgers and let all that kind of, you know, drama unfold. But it's yeah. just nice to see that actually came to fruition and that, yeah, like you said, dude, people are, their, their minds are just scrambled by the fact that we could have back to back to back quarterback play. 40, 40 years of quarterback. You know, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I, I was, listen, it was rough that first half of the season, man. Like it was bad. It, you know, he was leading the league in interceptions at one point, right? You know, and, and then all of a sudden he just clicked, it turned on. And it seemed like it was right around the time that Matt LaFleur made that comment that he just needs to go out there and play. Just be you. Just go out there and play and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's when you started seeing more of the fadeaway throws and stuff. And he started just winging it around the yard. You know, I talk about it all the time. It's on a, a, a much more minute level. But there's so many so many coaches that try to change the throwing mechanics of a, of a pitcher in baseball or, or an infielder in baseball. And it's like you'll have a kid that just absolutely dominates minor and little league, and then they get to the high school and say, okay, let's change everything. And all of a sudden they're booty cheeks and they're throwing the ball over the first baseman's head and everything. It's like, bro, they were fine before you touched them. Like, there's a reason that you can turn on Major League Baseball and see 500 different deliveries. There's a reason you can turn on the NFL and see that quarterbacks hold the ball different. They got different release points, and they play with different styles. For God's sakes, watch Steve Young throw a football, man. That dude looked like he was drunk throwing a football the way he was lined up. And it always got where it needed to be, you know? Phillip um, Rivers comes to mind, too. Yes. Oh, oh, it, when he when – he, he, threw a ball like he was an 83-year-old woman and it never <laughs> failed. The ball always got to the receiver somehow, some way. It's like, how did it – it looked so – like it was so forced, you know, yep. and it just always got there. But I think a big key to love success is, is these young pe- young guys gelling, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things that Goody was asked about is the tight end room. And uh, let's, let's see what he had to say about specifically uh, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, these young tight ends. Has viewed the skill set of Tucker Craft versus Musgrave. Mm-hmm. Are, are those guys redundant? Can they be on the field at the same time? Do you, do you see them differently with the way that they all, the way they operate within? The yeah, you know, the, I think yes. The, I think the, those guys are very well-rounded tight ends that can do everything that we're asking. Um, I think since Matt's been there, the tight end position has been extremely important in what we do, not only in the pass game but in the run game. So having tight ends that can function in both, particularly in the blocking phases, um, was really, really important. And I think both those guys proved in their initial years, and there's so much room and growth for those guys to get better, um, but they can do everything. And I'm just really excited about uh, where those guys are going. Um, you know, Tucker really, you know, really came on once once Luke had the injury. So now I think the confidence and the level that both those guys are at now, it's going to be really fun to see those guys on the field at the same time. Ooh, it's going to be really fun to see those guys on the field at the same time. That sounds like twelve personnel, Tim. Mm. That sounds like some twelve personnel. What do you think, man? I'm hey, I'm all for it. I'm fired up, and uh, you know, 
I think it's pretty safe to say we can forget about ever seeing a fullback here in Green Bay. We're just going to yeah. keep we're just going to keep loading up that tight end room with talent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, big country boy, corn fed, you know, skull crashers, man. I love it. And yeah, uh, yeah Musgrave and and Kraft on the field at the same time brings me great joy. Um, I'd love to see him. I'd lo- I'll just go five wide and put both of them out there with with uh, <laughs> with Rome and and Wicks and and Jaden Reed, you know, and just watch these defenses try and figure out what the heck they're going to do, you know. Yeah, you can get creative with it. Greg Rice says, I want 13 personnel. Go. Give me more. Give me more. Yeah, um, there we go. <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you how you could do 13 personnel. You could you could come out and have a double tight end set, right, and then have Musgrave flexed out wide. And yep. if, they, if they read 13 and they play it like, okay, goal line situation, goal line situation, look at the disadvantage you put them at with having Luke Musgrave playing like a boundary X. You can come out in a trip set or what we would call Trey Wright, where it would be two wide receivers. You'd have your X and your Z on the same side, and then you would have um, Tucker Craft in the slot. You know, just He could even be attached in a Trey set. And then on the other side, on the boundary X, have Luke Musgrave playing wide receiver. In that case, with that 12 personnel, what you're going to do is force their base coverage, their base defense. And when you force their base defense – You've got them at a disadvantage. There's going to be linebackers having to cover, linebackers or safeties having to cover these athletic tight ends. And then if they wisen up and say, okay, no, when they go 12, we're going 11, once they start to trigger into their – or to their nickel set, rather, when they go into their nickel formation, bring them back in tight, go with your nasty splits and run the ball down their freaking throat. There's a lot of things you could do there. Milio, dude, two tight ends on the field excites me, especially with a deep wide receiver room. And you have fresh legs everywhere, bro. Yep. And you know what? You know what I liked about what Goody said and the two tight ends on the field is that they can both block. All right. That's key in Matt LaFleur's offense. He, we got to move the ball down the field. You got to stop the person in front of you. And, uh, you know, and, and they expect it. Right. So I'm happy that he said that they, they both can do it and that there's both um, so much growth for for them coming up ahead, too, as well. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a, a bunch of potential, ton of potential. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I mean. I think that it's kind of crazy because when we started this podcast, we uh, went through the whole last off season and we talked about guys like Tucker Craft. I was, I was high on him. I had uh, a lot of hopes for a lot of the uh, tight ends, but to actually have two of them, Musgrave actually working out. Remember, he was a guy that didn't get a lot of, didn't get a lot of actual action. It was a lot of in theory he should be good because of this and this size and this speed. Same with Tucker Craft. There was a lot of in theory he should be good, but can he make the jump to the next level? And the beginning was a little bit rough for Tucker, if you guys remember. It was it was a little dicey. But then all of a sudden, like the second that Musgrave went down, it's like Tucker Craft just like the Undertaker, boom, just like Bro. stood up, just turned into mini Gronk. And his confidence level, if it if it could get to eleven out of ten, it's got to be there now because he's seen what he can actually do. Um, he's shown that he can take on blocks. He's that he can that he's really good at running routes and he's good at, I mean, he had like a really crazy um, drop percentage, didn't he? Like he was, he was pretty sure handed. If I remember correctly. Um, Yeah. Tucker craft only had, I think he only had one drop the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine what could happen if we end up drafting one more, like just even third, you know, it's going to be, he's going to be a third stringer no matter what, but what if he's another stud? Mm -hmm. We just got in the hopper. Definitely, man. Um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be fun to see him grow. Tucker's just one of those dudes, man, that he got better as the season went on. 
And when he got thrust into the spotlight, he didn't back down, man. He was just, you know, and, and I love how he was hurtling guys at first until the coach got onto him. He was like, hey, dude, you're huge. Once you run people over next next time, you see him bounce the Minnesota Vikings DB off the turf, right, with the stiff arm. One love it. One of those jumps he got uh, tapped in the old. Got hit in the old dangle, didn't he? The old Jay <laughs> Dangle. Yeah. That'll happen sometimes, boys. You got to be careful, man. That's uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. Man, he not only rambled, but he rumbled and stumbled. <laughs> correct, John. That's absolutely correct. Um, let's do this. Let's hit the comments real quick. I know we got a few of them started here. They're going back to the, the Sean Clifford oh. comment. Margin Cron says this this Clifford standard uh, slander will not stand. Man. Wasn't slander. Hey, I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, and then AFAM says Jacob wants to see a ginger quarterback take <laughs> over the league. <laughs> Jacob's got something for these redheads, man, no doubt about it. And then so, Dennis Shook yeah. says, Posse, I just got married. Let's go, dude. Give him a round of applause. Yeah. Congratulations, your Congratulations. life is over. Congrats, my man. Yeah. Jacob ain't ever going to settle down, man. I'm going to tell you right now. Dude. <laughs> this dude over here, he's the most eligible bachelor in Packer fandom right there, dude. Get that beard on that guy right there. I'm his agent, by the way, ladies. Just shoot us a shoot us a text uh, eight six five six five eight five eight two four. We'll uh, we'll run you through the filter and see what we can do here. All right? Stop playing with them! Stop playing with them! All right, Goody was also asked about the defense uh, today, and it's a little bit longer winded. Before we get to that, John Lynch was actually asked about Jeff Halfley. You guys know John Lynch. Uh, the GM of the San Francisco 49ers done an excellent job, unfortunately, putting that organization together. Um, he was asked about Jeff Halfley, who he has a few ties to, including a former teammate of his, Rondé Barber, who uh, who actually – I think it was – yeah, I think it was Rondé. I get them mixed up. Yeah, Tiki was in, in New York. So, yeah, it was Rondé in Tampa who actually played for Jeff Halfley. But here's what John Lynch, San Francisco 49ers GM, had to say about our new D.C. Half's a, half's a special dude. He's got a lot of knowledge about football. Uh, known about half for a long time. He coached my good buddy and former teammate, uh, Rondé Barber. Rondé, you know, first started telling me about half, and, um, you know, he's kind of, he's hit all the steps, being a secondary coach, being a coordinator at Ohio State, going and being a head coach at Boston College. For him to come back, I think part of that is what's going on in college football. Part of that, the guy loves coaching defense, and uh, I think it brings him back to his roots. I know he's excited. I'm, I'm really happy for him. We communicated via text, and, um, you know, nice, nice move for the Packers. All right, so there you hear it. John Lynch obviously approves. Now, Brian Gudukins was asked about the defense. This is a little bit longer video. Um, I think it's like two, three minutes long. And he was asked some really good questions, including how the 4-3 may impact special teams. And, Tim, I know you and I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how, you know, obviously you're removing one big body defensive lineman, at least one or two, from the overall roster and you're going to be placing in an extra one or two linebackers. And I think that bolsters the special teams, especially on kickoffs, punt returns, things like that. You're going to get those quick, big bodied top players. Right. So as, as coach McCarthy would say, but here's what he had to say about the defense altogether. I spliced together two or three clips because he was asked several questions about Halfley and just the defense uh, in general. Tell you about the scheme change defensively and Jeff and yep. the personnel that you actually have going into that scheme. Yeah, a uh, great question. I think, you know, the thing that uh, – and I'm still, we're still kind of getting to know each other and stuff, but just going through the process and getting to know Jeff a little bit, um, just really like his energy, kind of his leadership style. Um, you know, I think the expectations and standards that he's going to put forth for our, for our football team. Um, uh, I just – I think, you know, the, 
that's going to be the play style is going to be a big big thing for him, and I think uh, it'll be uh, very welcomed. Uh, I think we've got a really good nucleus of players coming back. Uh, we need to fill those each room with enough competition that those guys feel that and can can grow kind of like our offense did this past year, um, and that'll be on us to do that. So, um, but I do think um, we're in good hands right now. Back to Jeff and your conversations with him. Um, how in depth have you gotten in terms of what he's looking for, really, on, on, out of his personnel, and what that affects what you're going to do this offseason? Yeah, I, I think you know um, our the foundation of how what we're looking for in players and stuff isn't going to change. You know, we, that that process is pretty entrenched. I think one of the things that the conversation will continue um, is just kind of some of the things he's going to want to do, and you know, certainly. Um, and the final decisions of player acquisition they're, they're, that might factor in a little bit just in how he wants to play. Um, but I want, I know we, for a fact we've always done this, but he's looking for versatile guys that can do a lot of things. Uh, I think you've got to be careful when you build a team of having too many guys that don't have kind of like a, um, you know, a robust skill set because when injuries hit, they've got to be do, able to do different things. So, Brian, with the salary cap increase. Two more, please. Brian. The switch on defense, you mentioned earlier about probably having to bulk up at linebacker. Does that help your special teams as well, getting those body types on the field for it? It can. You know, I think um, it's really a combination of the kind of the defensive back room and the linebackers, you know, for those teams' spots. Um, but I think, you know, the numbers aren't going to be, you know, dra drastic here. And you're talking like, you know, one extra guy on the 53, maybe two extra guys within the 69. But so, um, but I think it's for me at the, at the beginning, it's just more functionality of practice, making sure we got enough bodies that when they do want to play base with three off the ball linebackers, that we have enough that can get through practice, keep guys healthy. Um, but um, but I, I do think it'll help special teams a little bit, you know, because I think you'll maybe have, you know, a few more of those 235, 240 um, body types that can run. Um, you know, our, our outside backers um, have typically been more your 265, 270, and didn't factor in on teams maybe as much. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully it can help. Brian, what do you deem? All right, so there you go. You know, a lot of the conversations we've had this offseason kind of geared around what he was saying there. Jacob, what stood out to you there about his defensive comments, man? Any Anything uh, anything pop out to you? Um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to hear him talking about how we can actually have dudes that are a little more slender um you know like maybe your third string type of Linderman. linebackers that uh and don't get me wrong i love the dudes that are there are 6'6 270 but they're not running down punt coverage or kickoffs very often which by the way we've talked about is not that you know that that part of the game has kind of been um i guess almost minimized to not even be um impactful whatsoever but uh it's kind of fun to see just like greg rice has a question up here where he's talking about the difference between four three and three four we can get into that but yeah go ahead and read it oh yeah it says i've asked uh before about the differences in four three and three four i've heard the dns are typically heavier and need to set the edge are we good with how gary and lucas van ness can set the edge um and i was just going to say quick that uh it's going to be interesting just to see how the depth chart shifts a little bit because we don't have those quote-unquote as many of the three, four style linebackers, we need more of four, three style linebackers. And I don't really, if you want to elaborate as to what that difference is, they are, yeah, a little bit more mobile, right? Guys yeah. I mean, it's really simple. Um, 
basically our outside linebackers and our 34 are not going to be changed to defensive ends. It's really that simple. Um, the the difference in defensive linemen, defensive linemen, is the defensive tackles are going to stay roughly the same size. You might want them a little bit slimmer because you're playing more of a one-gap. You're more aggressive. You're not playing a two-gap approach, which we haven't been playing a whole lot of two-gap here lately anyway. You heard LaFleur talk about how they were moving a safety into the box and playing more one-gap because typically – one back equals one gap. If you had a fullback in there, that's where you're getting into more of the two-gap stuff. And two-gap meaning defensive linemen are responsible for two gaps. Engage, and you're sliding side to side to cover two different gaps, and you allow the, the linebackers to, to kind of flow in and make the play. Uh, basically, Rashawn Gary and Lucas Van Ness most likely will just shift to a defensive end. Now, is there a chance they kick them inside to play defensive tackle from time to time? Possibly. Um but I think what you're going to see is Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks. Those Here's the thing, too. Carl Brooks played a ton of edge. He's a 300-pound edge defender in college, and he did it really, really well. That might be somebody that kicks outside, too. And that's why I was saying, like, probably don't need a whole lot of defensive linemen from the draft. I've got one just, you know, as a need saying, hey, look, let's go out and get a starting caliber defensive lineman um, just to kind of compete because I, I personally feel like Devontae Wyatt's underperformed. Um, if you were to ask me, remove the draft status and all that, who's your starting defensive lineman? You're going to be in the nickel the majority of the time, so you're talking about your two defensive tackles. It'd be Kenny Clark and Carl Brooks, hands down, man. Carl Brooks played that well. He really did. Um, now, if you're going to be in the 4-3, um, obviously you're going to have to get – you're going to have to bolster that linebacker room a little bit. But, yeah, basically Lucas Van Ness and Rashawn Gary, in my eyes, are going to be defensive ends. Um, so that's how that will shake out there. Essentially what it's going to come down to is you're going to need one extra – one or two extra linebackers and maybe one or two fewer defensive linemen. So that's how I see that playing out. What are you laughing about, Jacob? Nothing we can't even talk Nothing about. Nothing that we can put on the screen. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. All right, that sums it up. Um, let's see what else we got in the chat here real quick. Um, Jake Kane comes in here and says, Has everyone – hey, everyone, has the season started yet? Let me tell you something, buddy. The season never stopped here. Man. Get out of here. Roadhouse. But the season never ends on, uh, on PTA, pal. We're in here – 24-7, just talking mm -hmm. ball. There's plenty of stuff to break down, all right? But it's good to see you in here, J.K. Love the profile pic, too. Scary as hell, to be honest with you. Um, let's see what else we got here. Mastermind says, Clayton, do you think we should draft Tavondre Sweat to play nose tackle because he's very good at stopping the run, and we need another yes. nose tackle in case Slayton or Clark gets injured? Hmm. To me, <laughs> excuse me, um, I don't think Tavondre Sweat really fits a 4-3 defense that well. Devondre Sweat is more of a uh, – he's more of a 34 nose. Mm -hmm. and we just came out of the 34. Now, if he's the, the best player available at a certain spot in the draft, absolutely. But do I think he's at the top of Goot's list? Probably not. No. A month ago, I was excited about him. Right. And once you switch to a 4-3, yeah. yeah, it's like, right? yeah, we've got to change, change our way. But, yeah, I mean, like Rashawn and, Rashawn and LVM can set the edge. But but Goody's talking, you know, instead of having LVN just on, you know, pump block or whatever, like we can have a couple linebackers running down on kickoff coverage and things like that. So, um, you know, that, that's what that's what I think he's excited about. Yeah. And, you know, you, you make a good point, though, Mastermind. He he is great at stopping the run. When we broke down the top four defensive linemen in this draft, we had Byron Murphy, Jerzan Newton, um, Tavondre Sweat and Chris Jenkins. The way we broke it down 
we looked at pass rush and run defense, right? And Tavondre Sweat, we ranked hands down the best run defender of those four defensive linemen. So he's a run stuffer, don't get me wrong. But he was dead last in pass rush of those four defensive linemen. Now, still, that's in that top tier. So you get outside of that top tier if he's the last defensive lineman available. It doesn't mean he's a bad pass rusher. It just means out of those four, right? So, it, you know, I'm not going to be upset if they draft him. You know, and, and if anything, it's a huge upgrade over what we thought T.J. Slayton could possibly be, although T.J. Slayton was a much later round pick, right? But, uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that shakes out there. Tim, you got anything to add to that? You're, you're the defensive guy in here, man. You love your defense. Um, do you think uh, – you think they should draft Devondre Sweat? And I feel like the question should be asked, you know, with either the 25 or the 41st uh, pick. Uh, no, but if he if he falls in the draft, possibly, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm a I'm not a fan of bringing someone in and and uh, putting them in a position where they need to try and do things a little bit differently than than their stronger attributes um, bring to the table. You know, the old square peg in a round hole, like that's not. I don't want to do that, um, especially not with a rookie. You know, like you said, if we're going to go D line, we need to go with you know players that we know we can put in there, and they're going to do their they're going to be starting caliber quality, and we know what we're getting with them. Um, you know, that's like we did when we drafted LVN last year. We knew he was a, a versatile kind of edge player, um, but can also play with his hand in the dirt. Can do a lot of different things. Um, so we knew that we knew he was going to be versatile. Um, I'm not interested in a in a nose tackle that's uh you know run st- stopper as he is if he's a three four guy it's clearly not gonna mesh well with this defense yeah um jacob were you laughing at afam's comment is that what you were laughing at yes sir yeah oh the one back a little bit yeah, yeah. That, that the 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 two gapper um yeah yeah that might be we're not gonna say it and we're not gonna put it on the screen but afam <laughs> you're already talking about <laughs> I tip my cap. So to go, so to change the subject back, what about Kobe Wood? What about no, Kobe Wood? Hold up, hold up. I was I not advice y'all. Take two weeks off, then quit. Emilio, I was not done. I just wanted to say, a fan, it needs to be noticed that I appreciate your comment. That was that was really well said. Now, Emilio, go ahead. Be professional. No, no, it did. It played in perfectly to the conversation that's happened in the chat tonight. I loved it, a fan, but. But in all reality, is Wooden going to be able to play the one gap? You know, I think he can. I think he can do it. Very well said. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, this is awful. This is why we can't have nice things. We can't have all four of us on here for this. Reason. I love that Emilio, of all people, was the one trying to be like, hey, guys, come on, come on, let's get this. The youngest on. guy, the youngest guy on the show is here trying to be mature. I love it. Not to try. Oh. He failed miserably, but not to try. <laughs> <laughs> so, Goody was asked about the depth, the depth, of course, the depth of the draft. <laughs> so, let's see what Goody had to say about the depth of this uh, NFL draft coming up. What's sort of unique about this group of prospects? In the draft? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good group, but we were talking a little bit about it earlier. You know, there's, there's less underclassmen. I think the whole transfer portal and um, just, you know, COVID and with the extra years um, has limited some of those guys from maybe coming out. Um, NIL as well. I mean, if you can make a little money and go back and try to improve your draft stock compared to um, coming out. Um, but the overall numbers and the depth, I think, is, is there, especially at the top of the draft. Um, so I think, you know, we're in the process right now of kind of like really digging deep into 
um, you know, where maybe where the depth's going to be position-wise and, and things like that. So this is a, obviously a very important week for us to, to gather that information and kind of come out with a, a little bit more clarity on, on, on the plan. So there's a little tip in that. You know, he talked about some players staying in college, right? And and you're probably not going to see as many young players coming out early. They're going to stay and make some money in college now, which wild times in college football, you know. Um, that's something to keep in mind because we have these arguments every year. We don't, but people on, on the Twitter bird do. They, they're they always on there going, hey, he's too young for the – or he's too old for the Packers. The Packers won't draft him. And uh, lo and behold, they uh, – they end up drafting someone of 24 years of age, but I'm I'm I can't look at the screen anymore, guys. I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. Emilio had to kill the cam. Look at him, Jacob. Look <laughs> at me right now, Jacob. <laughs> oh man! All right, listen. Oh, All right, that's it. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Good morning, Lambo. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> gracious. Um, let's go around the horn here once. Um, a fam, you're about to get muted, buddy. I want you to know it's out of love, but you're about to get muted. <laughs> I'm not going to, so quit asking. Emilio, go. Emilio had to kill his cam because you're being immature. Jacob, that's like, look, don't you? Emilio! Let's get it back on the rails here, boys. I'll tell you what, I've got, I'm over this flu now for the most part, and I've got a new outlook on life. And uh, that's that's part of why we're in this. Uh, I I couldn't handle it. I I looked over at the chat and I looked down at Jacob and he just started smiling at me. You know, I lost. I literally lost it. Uh, All right, back to football stuff. Let me just cover Jacob up since he's gonna sit down there and giggle like a schoolgirl. Greg Rice says, "What about Aaron Campman? Was it that that made him not as good?" in a 3-4 because he was a 4-3 defensive end. Put your hand in the dirt and just go after the quarterback. As a 3-4 edge rusher, you've got to be able to be patient, set the edge on the outside, right? Think about it this way. If you you got your one-gap assignment as a 4-3 defensive lineman, you just, you just hit your assignment and, and go on. As a 34 outside linebacker, this is what we tried to say over and over and over about Rashawn Gary, and the Rashawn Gary haters didn't want to hear it. They just wanted to to paint this narrative that he got paid and now he doesn't care. The reason he was being he wasn't as effective rushing the quarterback, he's being more patient on the outside to make sure he doesn't get gashed. And also he's being more patient to make sure the quarterback doesn't have a scramble lane. Those same people that got pissed off about Rashawn Gary were the same ones screaming for Joe Barry to be fired because the veto rushed for however many yards he did. That you you have to have a response to every situation. The problem with DeVito was we were rushing right past him up the field. You can't in one breath say, hey, stop rushing up the field, and then the very next game turn around and say, uh, what are you doing? Why aren't you getting after the quarterback? You've got to pick your spots. You've got to be a strategic in a 34. Now, with a 4-3, it's totally different. Aaron Campman, put your hand in the dirt, attack that gap, and get after the quarterback. It's that simple. It's that simple. So that's the difference, and that's why Aaron Campman, it really – uh, not to be a negative Nancy, but them switching to a 34 kind of ruined the end of his career. It really did. And uh, he was trying to be a team player, make it work. Then he gets a knee injury, and it was all downhill from there. But uh, great question, though, Greg. That's that's the type of stuff that comes with a scheme change for sure. This one was intriguing. Uh, Dennis Shook says Andy Herman suggested trading 25 overall for T. Higgins. Was he being serious, Dennis? Who? Oh. Because <laughs> I got I got a lot of respect for Andy Herman. I'm wondering if he was just kind of throwing an idea around, or if he was 
was he suggesting it? Did it, did you guys hear that at all? That has to be a joke, right? He, he <laughs> was, I'm sorry. I mean, that can't can't be serious, right? Twenty five tickets. Like I said, I respect Andy, but I got to respectfully disagree with that take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we handled that maturely, didn't we? Can you check that out for us? Can you fact check that real quick? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. we got we to gotta, we gotta fact check that one. Yeah. In the meantime, we need, we need additional context, like like Twitter, just, right? We get our in the meantime, Jake K said, "Let's let's hit Jacob's favorite sound button." Sixty-five percent. Sixty-five percent. Jacob, that's me. My ears compared to the Dak Prescott crap. Which one? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? He doesn't like the the Dak one. Which one? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> My hands are here, Jacob. That's not me. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> All, right. All right, round the horn. Um, well, actually, we got a we got another video we can hit. Three things. This is uh them kind of hitting on the safety room and a couple other topics. This is Larry McCarron. This is this is Pinky in the brain again at uh <laughs> at, at the combine. Let's see what they had to say there their first day at the at the combine today in uh, Indianapolis. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's two guys with three things and one of those guys, Mike Spofford, is up. Well, Larry, we've heard a lot about the safety position in Jeff Halfley's defense as he takes over in Green Bay, whether you're talking about the post safety deep or a box safety close to the line of scrimmage. So I asked Brian Gutekunst when we had a chance to talk yeah, to him for today that pinky, Jacob. with three veteran safeties from the Packers headed for free agency, a couple of young guys coming back, Obviously, the draft is coming up. Does he feel like he needs a veteran safety to lead that group with that position being talked about so much? And interestingly, he said, not necessarily. Now, he may just be not tipping his hand as far as something he has his eye on in the free agent market and what he wants to do. But you look at what Brian Gutekunst did at wide receiver last year. Everybody said, do you need a veteran wide receiver? He said, not necessarily. The Packers took some lumps early on, but by the end of the season with a whole bunch of young guys, they had one of the most explosive receiving cores in the NFL. So don't discount the fact that with all this talk about safety, the Packers might just go young there and let them grow and develop. Good point, Mike. And the thing I found very interesting about Brian Gutekunst's comments today was the fact that Mark Murphy has been a huge asset. Look at that pink. Pink here out there. Yeah, here we go. To the football side of the building. And of course, right now, the process of finding a replacement for Mark is underway. And Brian couldn't say enough about Mark Murphy's presence, interest, knowledge, just the overall approach he takes with football. And he made it a point to say it's not because Mark was a former player. Yeah. It's because of his approach and the way he goes about the business of leadership. And that hire, whoever the Packers' new president is, has got massive shoes to fill <laughs> and will be critical to the Packers' success on the football field. 
Mike, what else do you have? Well, a couple of notes on the quarterback position. One, it sounds like maybe some preliminary conversations will be taking place behind the scenes with regard to Jordan Love's new contract, and, and this is something that's going to take a while, and the Packers can't really act on it until May anyway. But some groundwork might be laid here in Indy talking with Love's representation. The other thing is... Gutekunst made a point of saying he's really got his eye on the quarterback position and the depth there. He really liked what Sean Clifford did as a rookie, said he proved he can be a number two behind Jordan Love. Alex Magoo is also on the roster, but Gutekunst wants to get back to drafting quarterbacks on a regular basis, keep those young developmental quarterbacks in the pipeline for an organization. So keep an eye on day three in the draft for a quarterback for Green Bay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and predict the Packers reaching a contract agreement with Jordan Love at some point. I, I just I just feel it. Just feel it. I, I think so. <laughs> Anywhere that's two guys. We're three things. See you next time. I just want to say comments are out of control. What the hell's going on? The comments are so out of control. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Um <laughs> Guys, we got to keep in mind here, we're on a podcast, too, and people are All just right. hearing us laugh. They're going, I'm done with this garbage. <laughs> but I'm hurting over here. I'm crying. Mark in the chat will make it hard to pick your nose. <laughs> Makes it easier to pick your buddy's nose. No doubt about that. Um, all right, so oh man. Anyway, good stuff there, obviously, from Larry McCarron. Oh, um, we, did, we did get some confirmation, a little fact check. And uh, Mark said the T. Higgins comment, it was locked on Packers, not Andy. So it was not mm. Andy Herman. He said that's that, oh, okay. that's that Bukowski nonsense. Notice how everyone on here is surprised by that comment, right? It's almost as if who? <laughs> it's almost as if someone says something crying? just to try to trigger engagement, right? Um, you think God never farted? What is your problem, Jacob? I, I'm, I didn't touch anything. <laughs> That's All what right. she said. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. I, I'll, I'll just say about the, the, the 25th overall for T. Higgins, I'll just respectfully disagree with that. That's diplomacy right there. Way to be professional. Um, Emilio? I will, I, will, I will reject that offer. Okay. Kindly reject it, Jacob. Would you accept it or reject it? I no, 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 nope, nope, nope. nope. Not, not gonna do it. Mark in the chat say, Clayton, have you heard about Watson's hamstring from his dad? Um, so what I'm hearing is obviously uh, his dad is being a little bit outspoken about. Uh, from what I heard on Twitter, at least I haven't I haven't seen anything directly because I don't follow people's family too close. To be honest with you, I don't. You know what I mean? I don't try to give them their personal space in that regard, but it sounds like his dad was insinuating that the trainers were the problem with the hammies. Now, if people were getting mad that his dad said that, then you need to get mad at about 70% of the fan base who's been saying it since Clay Matthews. So, yep. you know, it's always been an issue, right, Jacob? Has it not I, been? I was going to say, I was saying that all year, that there's got to be – at some point, there, there's some sort of common denominator, and it's it's probably the fact that I, obviously they made it a, a decision to move on from the old um, trainer. So 
the Packers front organization at least acknowledges that it is a problem that they're trying to make a hopefully a quick fix because yeah that was in my opinion it's been kind of unacceptable I mean I know we see hamstring injuries all across the league but it seems like our guys get them far too often for far too long and they just can never shake them and yeah you got it <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> dude what Tim, you know, uh, uh, Papa Scoot is outspoken about like a lot of things. That's that's how he rolls. He calls it like he sees it. He's a he's a good follow on Twitter because it all comes from a a place of experience. You know, the guy the guy's been there, done that. So, yep. you know, it's a little bit different than you know one of us just you know randomly throwing stuff out there. So I I kind of appreciate the angle he's taking. And you know, let's be honest. I mean, he's you know going to be protective of his son. You know, and uh, he's gonna, you know, call it like he sees it. I mean, I'm I'm sure he was the first dude getting in the coach's ear at Christian's Pee Wee games. You know, like when he was <laughs> playing as a as a young kid. So um, I respect it. Um, I mean, we can go and look at. Uh, there's been recent. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey did some podcasts and was talking about how his father was uh, with him growing up and stuff too. So I I, I look at uh, Scoot's dad just kind of just being a football dad and, you know, being a former player, man, he's got a, he's got his own perspective. So I hope he continues to be as outspoken as he is because uh, there's some gems there for sure. Dude. I love it when people speak their mind, man. Yep. I don't, I don't, I don't get offended by stuff. And and you, here's the thing. Like when people say, you know, you, they took offense, they take offense. You have to take offense. You have to take it. Meaning I'm going to take offense to that. I just don't operate like that, man. Yep. Um, you know, if if I disagree with someone, I'm not gonna jump in their mentions and go, "All right, you're wrong." No, I'm just gonna go on about my life. Now, if somebody jumps in my mentions and tells me I'm wrong, they're probably gonna get the pinky or the other finger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, and it doesn't even necessarily mean a knock on the on the trainers. Mm-hmm. It could just mean like what you know. Yeah, it was time for a change. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. That that, that happens. It's happened in our uh, coaching room. You know, we we talked about it. It's not a you know, we had a lot of Joe Barry haters, of course, but, um, you know, it's not a complete indictment on, on Joe Barry that we made a decision to move in a different direction defensively. And it's the same thing with our athletic training uh, staff and anybody else in that that room. Sometimes it's just time mm-hmm. for a change, you know. Right. right. And this is all the stuff that everybody wants anyway, right? All the stuff behind the scenes, all the little things that yeah. they're, they're doing, you know. So we're yep. eating this up anyway, you know, let alone it being um, a case like that. And we're outside of the building, so like we have no clue what's going on when when uh when one of our players is on the the trainer's table getting worked on or whatever. We don't know, you know. We can see a little bit of that when we uh get to see some training camp or right when I, when I sneak over to twelve sixty five and peek over the fence and try and try and see some practice. But that's about mm-hmm. it. You're not really. When do you get Tim some stilts? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Greg Ross like said, it. "What what specifically did our trainers do wrong?" I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, hey, this is exactly what they did wrong. But I think you look around the league, if you want to fix the hammy problem, I think you're not doing your team or your organization justice if you don't look around at the other teams who had or did not have hammy problems, right, and say, okay, who had the least amount of hammy problems? All right, let's let's try to see what their trainers are doing. Let's hire from there, right? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Amelia, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. I could hear Jacob giggling, and you you just did this whole professional. You went. I'm really trying to hold it in, man. Jacob has been having me roll all night long. 
I've been let's run them off again. <laughs> I've just been sitting here. I've been. I should have done this. That way, I could have kept laughing. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Chewy in the chat said, "Who breaks their finger like that and thinks, yeah, I'm not going to fix that." <laughs> it's pretty common for those old uh, old did linemen. We just do people. a whole pod on Larry McCarron's pinky. I think we did. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to put it in the title when we upload this. To, <laughs> not going to happen. All right. Just so everybody is aware, I commented that wasn't Clayton. So. I appreciate that, Jake. I seen that too, and I thought I'll take the fall for the team here. So yeah, that's uh, what is this right here? Uh oh, dead fish throwing out a trade opportunity for us. Dead fish, I don't know, man. I'm too drunk to taste that chicken. Let's see here. He said instead of T Higgins, I'd rather trade 25 and 127 and 204 to Arizona for 35 and 71. Man, he thought this out. Arizona would have three number ones. And two number threes and two fours. The Packers would have three number twos and three threes. That don't sound too bad. It don't sound too bad. My head hurts after reading it, but it don't sound too bad. Um, it sounds like, like a pretty good matches up, though. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. Um, it, watch, watch the Packers not trade one time in this draft after they've been trade happy in the past, right? And, again, I'm not going to be disappointed on draft night when we do our live draft broadcast. I'm not going to be disappointed if they trade out of the first round. I would be I would be okay with that. Let's stockpile some picks, get out of the first. Yep, It'd be yep. different if you were sitting like they were last year around 13 where you could you think you can get one of those top 20 talents, you know? But who knows though, man? Maybe, maybe somehow, some way, four or five quarterbacks fly off the board before they pick at twenty-five. And we have somebody fall in our lap. That would be awesome too. So, let's go around the horn, Tim. You got anything else, buddy? Um, yeah, we don't. We don't need a receiver right now. <laughs> we're not. We're not in the market. I'm gonna. I'm gonna die on that hill for now. We've got so much talent in that room as it is. Now, I, I'm not saying they're not going to take somebody. I just hope if they do, it's you know seventh round or something like that. Um. But uh, I'm I'm just excited about what, uh, you know, particularly, you know, Bo Melton, Tay Wicks, Malik Heath. And then, mm -hmm. of course, you know, we we've got our our other studs that we're aware of. But, you know, when you look at that, that receiver room and the guys that are coming up, even Grant DeBose, it'll be nice to see him at camp this year and see what see if he can make a splash as well. So uh, I'm, I'm ignoring all talk about uh, trading for a receiver at all yeah. costs. Got it. Jacob, what do you got, buddy? Parting thoughts, man. Uh, Yeah, this has been a fun episode. Uh, thanks, everybody. for Why Why are you doing that, man? I'm trying to be professional. Um, You're doing great, Jacob. You're doing it'll, great. It'll be interesting. I think that we should break down real late-round quarterbacks because it sounds like – Yeah, the there was something there, wasn't there? It sounds like the indication is that they are going to explore that. And I wonder if they're, if they're interested and willing to look at the late-round quarterback – if the situation arises where, like, let's say a Bo Nix falls to the third, you know what I mean, or something like that, just some mm -hmm. sort of quarterback falls that they, for some reason, have a decent grade on, <clears throat> maybe even somebody that we don't, you know, think has necessarily the, the best talent, maybe a guy that's kind of raw. I'm sure they have no problem replacing Alex Magoo with a guy that they could see as a two- or three-year project quarterback while they have Clifford and, and Love as well. So I'd mm -hmm. maybe keep an eye out for that. Got it. Mm -hmm. No, no wide receiver unless like an absolute dime is just sitting there waiting. Right. Yeah. Right. right. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the board at 25 <laughs> for some yeah. stupid reason, you probably got to mm -hmm. take him. 
yeah, if one of those top three receivers that we would consider really a, a top two tier talent, that's totally different ball game. If one of those falls somehow, some way, I'm with you on that. What do you think there, uh, Emilio? Unless they're blowing smoke just to try to get people to hop on the quarterbacks, you know. Oh, Packers are about to get another guy. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, teach them up behind the scenes. Everybody gets all scared. Let's start diving on the QBs. But yes, uh, that's a note. A wide receiver, and I'm also excited for uh, Goody to bring in that competition. He's talking about in every room. So you know, we're we're gonna see yeah. something different. It's gonna be a new team, um, and you know, they're all gonna grow and learn together. But I'm excited to see who who ends who it ends up being. Definitely. Isn't Sean Clifford uh, older than Jordan Love? I think so. But like yeah, a month, he right? yeah. He's like Stay a year here. older, isn't he? Oh, is he a year? I don't I don't know if he's technically older, but he's played a ton of more football than okay. Jordan Love. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that the uh the you know the next guy up um after the Jordan Love era, I don't even know if he's on the team right now. I right. I would see that being a, a future addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, guys, we like to have a lot of fun on here. It's all in good fun. Um, it's 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 nice to get on here and laugh a little bit. Obviously, I've been battling a little bit of illness. I know Emilio, you've been taking care of family stuff, man. It's good to get on here with you, uh, you three knuckleheads, Definitely. and just have a good time, man, and cut up. I appreciate y'all more than you know. Peter Stone brings it back full circle, though. Says, um, "Well, well, you all have a good night. Rest in peace, Cherry." talking about uh cherry star see y'all tomorrow appreciate you peter good to see you in here buddy and thank you for bringing it back full full circle uh thoughts and prayers go out to the star family obviously lost an absolute just uh yeah. an amazing human being and, and how lucky we are as packer fans that she was a, a part of this organization because she truly was a part of the organization that that family you know bart going from a, a hall of fame quarterback to uh you know, obviously even coaching and trying to revitalize the Packers there in the, I believe it was the 80s, if I remember correctly. And uh, everything he did for Brett, you'll hear Brett talk about him constantly, how he was just such a, a played a vital role in his life. Aaron's mentioned him a bunch. Um, and and obviously the the magic behind the scenes there was uh, was Cherry, Cherry Star. So, um, yeah, hearts and uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the family. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat. This was a fun episode, man. Um, it was good to get in here and laugh a little bit. This is what you're going to get in the off season. Just a bunch of Packer fans sitting around cutting up, having a good time at the pinky's expense. But uh, um, yeah, but that being said, we're out of here. We'll see you guys in the morning for good morning Lambo. Appreciate everybody. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. To get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. He's going to tackle, take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. Look at this play where we're trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.